We are in the conclusion of a series that we've been in for two weeks. This is our third week in conclusion of go, ready, set. That's not how we normally say it. We usually say ready, set, go. And that expression is mixed around to reflect how Jesus sometimes surprises us by asking us to follow before we might even believe. And in the session one, we learned that Jesus gave a wildly open invitation to say, follow me, when he pointed to a tax collector, which below the bottom line from a Jewish perspective, no, 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 he can't, he can't be one of us. He can't follow us. But Jesus openly invited the tax collector. What we're discovering is that sometimes you come to believe in Jesus in the process of responding to Jesus even before you believe. And so uh, Matthew, and actually for that matter, the other 11 disciples did not yet believe in Jesus the way we believe in Jesus. They had some ideas about who he might be. They were kind of excited about who he might be. They kind of saw him as a rabbi, and they began to follow Jesus because the invitation was given them to follow. And in following him, they began to believe in Jesus. So go corresponds with follow. And ready corresponds with believe. And this week, the final week, we're putting the word set corresponding with obey. And so week number three is obey. And we're not talking about obey in the sense of, well, a lot of times there are people that say, show me a sign, God, show me a sign, and then I will obey. Lord, would you show me a sign and then I'll obey? The show me a sign obey is one kind of obey. And we're going to actually contrast that with a more foundational obedience that's more systematic. It's more foundational as opposed to hodgepods. I, I, okay, I'll obey you. And just picking and choosing an obedience. Now, just to get at that a little bit, um, imagine a guy in a downtown city setting getting on a bus. He's a believer. He's a follower of Jesus. He would profess that to be true for his life. And he gets on the bus, and he's looking at the bus. The only per person on the bus is the driver. That's unusual for a city like this. And he gets in the bus, and he walks all the way to the back of the bus. And he takes a seat. And so he just quietly says a prayer. God, today, if you would like me to talk about you to somebody today, Show me a sign. Okay? Now, the bus continues on. It's just him and the driver. And then the bus stops to the next stop for the pickup. And another person, just one person, gets on the bus. And the guy is sitting there in the back of the bus. And he thinks it's rather strange because this one person, there's all the seats in the bus to choose from, walks down the aisle all the way to his seat and sits right next to him. And he's... He, if that's not enough, the guy says, ah, oh, is there any chance you know something about Jesus? Somebody said that Jesus might be able to help me. Do you know anything about Jesus? Now, then the guy, now maybe you've, you do this too, where you can send up rapid prayer, just really quick. You know, your, mouth, your mouth is not moving. You just get, you have that blank stare while you're praying inside your head. Well, this is the kind of prayer he prayed. He's saying, Lord, please show me one more sign. Would, would you, and then he looks at the bus driver, would if you want me to talk to this guy, please turn the bus driver into an armadillo. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. 
When I heard that story, I didn't see it coming either. I just love those kind of surprise stories. But the story is not hard to diagnose what the problem is in this individual, right? He doesn't want to obey. That's the problem. When you have the show-me-a-sign kind of obedience, there's actually a reluctance inside of you to obey. Now, in this go-ready-set model, the reluctance disappears. You need to understand how this works, okay? A person may not yet believe in Jesus and begin to follow they start coming to church. They don't yet believe in him. They start coming to church. They're hanging out with other followers. They begin to follow. They maybe even go to a Bible study to find out more. They're hanging out with other followers, and they're doing a Bible study and kind of learning about the Bible. And they still have lots of questions, lots of doubts. They wouldn't yet call themselves a believer. And while they're in process of following, they hear more and hear more. And pretty soon, it even surprises them. They can't even pinpoint exactly when. They realize, huh, I'm starting to believe this. Okay? And it often works this way. Now, as they're starting to believe it, they start to actually live out what Jesus is teaching, and they begin to trust Jesus more and more and more. Go ready. Now, we're almost ready to come to a place where we're talking about set, because set is not a um, show-me-a-sign kind of believing it's not, a, I like that, I'm going to do that. Mm, I don't yet really like that. I set that aside. I'm not ready for that. I'm going to do that and this. There's a lot of people who are still in the pick and choose what they're going to believe and what they're going to obey mode. When we're talking about go, ready, set, we're going to talk about a more foundational kind of obedience that is systematic. It's a decision that I trust Jesus so much, I am going to work at building my life the way he describes it. That is completely different. So our focus for today is it's how to set the foundation for a secure life. So when we talk about go, ready, set, we're talking about following. Even before you have all the questions answered, you begin to hang out and listen, maybe read the Bible with others, and then believing it starts to kind of catch up to you. You're believing more and more. You get to the place where you're trusting so much, you decide. You decide now. You're going to systematically build a life that looks more like Jesus. Now, before I continue, I need you to understand something. What we're talking about today Obey has nothing to do with getting you to heaven. What we're talking about today, as far as obey, is not about receiving salvation. The kind of systematic foundation building, build a life on it, that we're talking about today, is as a result of you coming to trust and establishing a relationship that's a saving relationship with Jesus. That saving relationship is received. It's not achieved. You don't obey your way in. You can't obey enough to make sure that, oh, now you're good enough. doesn't work like that. You trust Jesus in what he has done. You followed him. You begin to believe in him. Now you trust him. And somewhere along the line, you say, Lord, I need you. I need you as Savior. 
I need you in my life. And then this mysterious thing happens like a conception and birth. You're reborn as the Spirit of God is received through that believing and that trusting. Now, that having been said, what we're talking about today, though, is building a life. Building a life that is setting on a foundation so that when the storm comes, you can withstand that storm. This is huge. Jesus talks very clearly in giving lots and lots of instructions about how life works and how that life should work in such a way that you can systematically build your life so that when the storms come, now I want you to understand something. When Jesus, he concludes the sermon, he doesn't say, if you build your life, you can avoid those storms. That's not what he says. If you build your life, the storms will come. It comes to everybody because that's life. But if you build your life the way I'm describing it, I will walk with you in such a way where your life is able to stand through the storm. You'll come through it and your life won't fall apart. And so we're talking about that kind of set foundation. Now, so if you're the kind of person that is ready to fill in a blank or take some notes in your outline there, if you like to do that, point number one is this. It's a question. Are you all set? Are you all set? How many of you all set? You're done? Okay, well, I can sit down, right? I'm all set. That's a question we usually ask people to mean, are you all ready? I mean, you might be getting ready to go on a trip, and uh, you're getting things together, and somebody said, are you all set? And usually you've got to get all this stuff ready to go. But what we're talking about is how Jesus concludes a very lengthy teaching of instruction about how to build your life in his kingdom, what that looks like, and then setting a foundation to build that life. So before we continue, here's a principle that is eternally true that God reinforced for thousands of years. He reinforced it in the old covenant we will see it in the, New, in the Old Testament. And then he reinforced it again, same principle in the New Covenant. In other words, this is a universal principle that rules are given after the relationship is established. Let me say that again. Rules are given after the relationships are established. So they're family rules once you're family. Now let me see if I can explain that. In the Old Covenant... God, from his vantage point, began a relationship with people. He created them. There was a fall. He's now redeeming them. And the way he's redeeming them, he chooses a, a man. He's going to bless that man. He makes promises. Abraham, you're going to be my nation. He even predicts that in, in the future, you're going to be a large group of people and become a nation. But before you're a nation, you're actually, the whole group is going to be in bondage for 400 plus years. And, and they were. And at the end of those years in Egypt... God shows up with Moses, and Moses finds out through this introduction what God's name is. He's the I Am. He's Yahweh. He's going to be the Redeemer. And what he's going to do, and he's going to pull it off, and he begins to do miracle after miracle after miracle. And after all these miracles, the Egyptians say, Enough! Go! Take your God with you! And God established a relationship with the nation. Okay, And then he very lovingly and caringly takes care of that nation as they're traveling through the wilderness and he's going to set them as a nation. In that context, now the rules come. OK? 
okay? That's when the Ten Commandments are given. They didn't have the rules given until the relationship is established. In fact, if you read the Ten Commandments in Exodus there, you'll discover that the relationship, I am your God, is set forward first, and now here's how you live this out. Now, this is important because as you come to follow Jesus, you come to believe in him, you come to trust him, the first disciples, they didn't even know what they were believing yet. And they're trusting him more and more. And it wasn't until the resurrection of Jesus that all of it starts to fit together. Jesus' instruction and his rules start, now they get it. Oh, I see what blessed are the poor in spirit mean. If I know that I'm spiritually bankrupt, that I need a savior, that I'm blessed. If I think I have it all together, that I don't reach out for a savior and I can't be blessed. It all starts to come together for them. That's just one example, how it starts to come together for them. So are you all set? Once you begin to follow, you begin to believe, you begin to trust Jesus more and more and more, now what? Now you've got Jesus' instructions that he gives us that you're already beginning to trust and believe. So now you just go, whoa, he's the creator. He knows. He has designed my life. I want to trust that this is the way to go. And so when he says this, many are on the broad road to destruction. Only few are going to be on the narrow road and find life. Then you go, oh, wow. Wow, I can't look around me and see what everybody, everybody else is doing. I need to listen to him to find out how to build this life that only a few are actually living, okay? And so Jesus keeps teaching us to figure this out. Point number two, set your life on a different foundation. A different foundation, at the conclusion of this Sermon on the Mount, which is what this whole message is about, but we're only going to take a couple of verses which are at the conclusion of his sermon. So I want you to write this down just in case you forget otherwise. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but Matthew 5 through 7. Three chapters. This is one sermon that concludes with Jesus talking about building a foundation. In this sermon, he describes what it looks like to live in this relationship with the king, and he's the king, what it looks like to live in this kingdom, and how these rules, which he begins to teach about the old commandments, and now that he's the king, he interprets the old commandments, this is what it looks like when you're following me. And he lays out these commandments, and after he's all done, he says, now if you live this out, you will be building a foundation, Okay? But it's a rare foundation, and that's what we need to talk about. So before we get to the two verses we're looking at today, I want to just quickly summarize the sermon by picking a sampling of the commandments that Jesus teaches on. So here are my words Jesus taught as a summary of some of the commandments he taught on. For example, if someone offends you and slaps your cheek, don't just pop them back. Turn your other cheek. Now, when I say build on a different foundation, that's different. In our world, people slap you in the cheek, you immediately want to get back at them. Slap them back. Why would Jesus tell us to do such a counterintuitive, totally backwards from my emotions response to somebody meanly and cruelly slapping my cheek? Because we are recipients of his kingdom. 
because we have been loved, we have been saved, we have been so loved and so saved, we can actually respond out of the overflow of love. When somebody else is hurt and they're hurting me, I don't have to hurt back because I'm safe. I don't have to hurt back because I'm following the guy who conquered death. I don't have to fight back even if my life is threatened because I have life eternal. This guy might not. So instead of fighting back, turn the other cheek and throws that guy way off. Like, whoa, whoa, what's that? I don't want to slap you. If you're not going to fight me, you know, all of a sudden he's being loved when he wants to hate. Doesn't know what to do with that. Just like they didn't quite know what to do with Jesus. When someone asks you to do something for them, do more than they ask for. That's unusual. Just to get at this, right where you live, how many of you still working for a paycheck? How many of you have a paycheck coming because you work? More than that, I hope. (laughs) All right. And... Apply what Jesus says there. When someone asks you to do something, so you have an employer, they have some expectations, and they're going to pay you for those expectations completed. Jesus is saying, when your employer asks for one mile, don't just give them one mile, give them two. Jesus is saying, of all people, kingdom people should be the people that employers are going, okay, okay, I love how you work. I love your honesty. I love that I can trust you. Where are four other guys I can hire just like you? They should be knocking at our door, calling pastors up. Uh, Such and so goes to your church. Do you have anybody else like him that I can hire? That should be the case, okay? So when someone asks you to do something for them, you should be the last one that while while the employer's not looking, you're playing solitaire on the computer, right? Or the employer's not looking, you're checking in on Facebook. Or the employer's not looking, you're doing your own thing. No, no, no. You're going beyond what your employer is asking for and honoring the name of your heavenly father in your workplace. Jesus asks for that, okay? Jesus taught, if someone needs something, just give it to them. What? That's mine. He says, you have eternity. I provide you everything you need. If they really need this, give it to them. Whoa, that's like not American. It isn't. It's really strange. He, he's talking about this in all kinds of ways, not just that way. He just tells his followers, you are in the position to be extraordinarily generous, just different, different generous, because I've been so generous to you. You don't have to live in fear. I'm taking care of you. You can be generous, he says. He teaches forgive no matter what that person has done to you. That's really weird. No matter what, no, come on. They can't, I'm not going to forgive them if they do below that line. There's a line there. There's, I can, there's only so far. Then Below this line is unforgivable. Then Jesus says, okay, so where are you in that line? Are you on the unforgivable side of the line or were you forgivable? Well, I was forgivable. I'm forgiven, right? Well, yes, but you're going to say that this one sin is unforgivable when All of your sins were forgiven? Really? So what sin is really unforgivable if all your sins are forgiven? This is so strange and different to our thinking. Now, I have to be really careful when I say that 
just because you forgive a person, let, let's just say you're an abused spouse and they're beating you up. That doesn't mean you stay with the person who's abusing you. You can forgive that person and still set up some protection and safeguards and that kind of thing. But you can't go into that place of bitterness and retaliation. You're forgiven. You have to forgive that person. You might leave the law up to taking care of them or whatever. But you have to release that bitterness and forgive because you are forgiven. Jesus says, bless those people who have wronged you. What? Who have wronged me? We like to bless those people who have righted me. You were nice to me, I'll be nice to you. And I'll be nice to you and I expect you to be nice to me. And that's where we live. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not love. That's just common, ordinary, pagan friendship. Okay? Kingdom love. You are loved, so loved, that out of the overflow of your love, you can bless a person that has just harmed you. Oh, no way. Yes. Yahweh. Oh, that's different. Okay. Um, let's go to the Jesus top. The next thing, it, it is not enough to guard yourself against immoral acts like adultery. Even your sexual desires and thoughts need to be trained to remain within the boundaries of faithfulness to marriage. Or these also break the commandment, do not commit adultery. Well, but, but I haven't heard anybody. What are you watching on the show there? But that's not hurting anybody. How are you training your thoughts to not commit adultery when you're watching adultery and enjoying what you're watching? But, but wait, wait, wait. I'm single. They're single. We're not hurting any marriage. Yes, but as you are not training your thoughts and your sexual lives and you're entering into a relationship and uniting that outside of marriage, you're actually training yourself against the faithfulness that's required that I have designed. I'm the designer of sex. And I design it to be protected within a permanency of relationship that comes with a covenant promise. And now within those protections, it will be beautiful. So you have to learn how to train your own purity, your own desires, and your own thought life, not just your actions, all of it to protect the faithfulness of marriage. Now I know, <laughs> I really do, that that is countercultural. Our world says, uh-uh. I mean, just look at any show, and as long as the music is playing right, yes, yes, they're in love. They should come together. Oh, those, and that was horrible relationship over there, but now you can tell by the music, this is right. <laughs> right? The whole world is fighting and training our thoughts and desires to work against God's design. And Jesus says, do you want to follow my design? Build a foundation that honors the design that God has made for sex. Protect yourself in purity, protect your thoughts, your desires, and train your purity because someday you want to meet that person that you can give yourself to under a completely protected relationship where it's beautiful for a lifetime and you remain working on faithfully protecting each other. 
So these are amazing teachings of Jesus, just a sampling. And after all of these teachings about, well, will you trust my design? Will you trust what I'm saying? If you trust what I'm saying, then you're going to set a foundation. You're going to work on building a life with these teachings in mind. Not just picking, I like this one, I don't like this one. I like this one, I don't like this one. And not waiting for God to kick you by saying, show me a sign. I don't really want to do this until. He says, follow me. Trust me. Look at these instructions. Here's how you build a life. Here's how you build a life that's beautiful and strong. There's a storm coming. It'll be so strong that when that thing that happened to them, you think, how do they make that? How do they still trust God? How do they even deal? They seem like they're happy. I I don't know if I can handle that. He says, trust me. Build a life and you will hold together through the storms. Now we're going to jump into the conclusion of the sermon. Here's how Jesus concludes in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods... Were you ever in Sunday school? (laughs) Some of you were so blessed. (laughs) The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Then he puts it in contrast. Next. Next slide, please. But everyone who hears these words of mine, do you see how much authority he speaks? Everyone who hears these words of mine, when you listen to my teaching, If you do not put these into practice, you're like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, a couple of things that I want to highlight before we get into the next point. Jesus is saying, my teachings, it's not enough to go, wow, that's really good. Put them into practice or you're foolish. Foolishness is completely different than intelligence. There's a lot of intelligent people who want to do things their way and they have their reasons. Everybody has justifications. The smarter you are, the more justifications you can come up with. But you're a fool. Because as you come to believe and trust Jesus to be the son of the creator, who is the creator, who is at creation, all things were made through him and by him, and he designed it all. He's saying, now this is what you do. Here's how you do it. You've, you've entered into a relationship with me. Do you really trust me? Now let's be systematic about this. You're wise if you are. You're a fool if you disregard this. Now I'm speaking to you who have entered into a relationship with me and you say you believe me, you say you trust me, but why are you picking and choosing? That's who he's speaking to. And he says it with such authority. He's either an egomaniac or he's right. And I believe he's right. I happen to believe he's the smartest man who ever walked this earth. I happen to believe that when he says, this is how it works, this is really how it works. And as we put it into practice, we'll discover this is how it works. And your outline is this. Set, to set easy is common 
but stupid. Now we're talking about foundations, right? You heard the message of Jesus. To set easy is common, but stupid. I'm telling you, we're in a day and age where every day we're filled with decisions of going the easy way or the more hard way. Every day is filled with those moments. Shall I go easy or shall I go difficult? Now, it's real common to understand this. We understand how it works. The professional athletes, they don't choose the easy route. They work out. They train. The musicians, they don't take the easy route. They work at their musicianship. The scholars, they don't take the easy route. They don't just watch videos of whatever movie fancies them. They pour into the books. They begin to learn more and more and more so they can become an expert to train somebody else in the field they become a scholar at, right? So the easy route is the temptation route where we do whatever we feel like at any given moment. Believers, this is the battleground. Jesus says, here's how you live it out, and you decide, do I do the hard thing that is right, or I do the easy thing that is easy? To set easy is common, but stupid. Now, this parable that Jesus just gave as a comparison about the wise builder and the foolish builder is about common knowledge stuff that people understood in their day. Of course it's stupid to build on sand, but they've seen it. That's why they know it's stupid, right? They've seen people who build right on riverfront property, right on the sand. Why? Because they had their reasons. It was riverfront property, it was beautiful. It's cool. We're under the shade. And I didn't have to dig a lot. Right here's flat. And I can build a structure here. And besides that, I can get right into the river and I'll have to haul my boat 200 yards. And I can just enjoy the cool of the riverfront property. This is where I'm going to build. And then, of course, the rains come down, the floods rise up, and we've seen the pictures even today of huge structures being hauled off by the flood, Right? And we go, hello, build on bedrock, build on higher ground. You know this is going to happen. Oh, no, no, it's okay because this is a 100-year floodplain. And everybody's looking like, it could be next year. It could be this monsoon season. You be careful here, right? So they knew the same stuff that we know. And Jesus is just using that illustration to say, choose to build systematically by listening to what I say and putting it into practice. It's like building a house on bedrock. Now let me just take this further. If you're not building your house on bedrock, you're building your house on the stuff between you and rock. What has come between you and God? This is what you're building your life on. If there's anything that's come between you and God, that's the sand. And God is saying to you, what are you making excuses for? No holds barred. Hold nothing back. Whatever you want from me, Jesus. And he says, this is what I want. Oh, that. Dig, dig, get rid of, get closer to bedrock. You want close connection. Intimacy with the rock who is Jesus Christ who says, and he knows what he's saying. Don't wait for some sign to act on what you know is right. He's saying, if you build on, on what I say, you'll never regret it. The storm's going to hit you too, It'll hit, just like it hit the other guy. But here's my promise. I'll walk 
through the storm with you and your life won't fall apart. We'll walk into glory together, even if it means death. You have nothing to fear. To set easy is common but stupid. Be on your outline. To set deep on bedrock is uncommonly smart. It's harder, and few choose it. Listen, people, I'm talking to youth workers and teachers just in conversations, and I'm discovering that we're in a new America that I wasn't in when I was in youth ministry. We're in a new America where all of the young people, it's harder and harder to figure out how to get young people to want to do anything besides look at their phones. It's like they don't even want to go on a hike. They don't want to go on an adventure. They don't want to do this or do that. They don't want to study. They don't want to do anything. They don't have aspirations. All they want to do is look at their phone. Look at their phone. And they're addicted to something there. Maybe it's just the sense of connection, but it's not a real connection. And we're in a America that's sinking with easy instead of motivated by right and doing what is right and doing what is hard to build a life that makes a difference. Jesus is saying, you want a life that makes a difference? You want a life that counts? You want a life that just stands in the storm? Listen, follow, build this life, set this foundation, get rid of the sand and do the harder thing. You'll enjoy it more. You really will. So here's how we'll finish today. The my way life is foolish. The Jesus way life is wise. If you're a believer, okay, that's a big if. If you're a believer and decide to do your marriage or your dating or your money or your relationships or your business your own way, and ignore Jesus' teachings. You are as foolish as the man building next to a river right on sand. Storm is coming. You're digging in your heels. You're a reluctant follower. You're a reluctant believer. Jesus has this and this and this and this for you. You know it's there, but there's a lot between your real life and Jesus. A lot is coming between you two. And you haven't done any digging, any confessing, any offloading, any hard work to get down to a close, intimate connection with Jesus where you can build a life on a solid foundation and your life now build blesses your marriage, blesses your children, blesses your employment, blesses your neighbor, your neighborhood, blesses your church because you and Jesus are living life together by design. Where are you at today? Is there something between you and God that you know is sand between your real life and the bedrock? You can dig, confess, repent, ask Jesus to help you make some changes. Build a foundation on the rock. Follow me. Go. Ready. Set. He says, follow me to every one of us. Even if you're not a believer yet, follow me. Try me. You'll begin to believe in me. Follow me. Try me. You'll begin to trust. As you begin to trust, get rid of the sand. Don't live a lie. Put it into practice, and it'll prove to you, this is real. This is better. 
Jesus' life is way better. It's uncommon. People think I'm weird. But I'm good with that. Because I like this. This is working. I'm happier. People around me are happier. This is joy. This is true. This is right. This is good. To your name be the glory and honor. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for teaching us. Teaching us clear instruction. Teaching us to follow you, learn from you, to discover that even obedience is easier than disobedience, that your yoke and burden is light, that the life that seems so hard and the obedience that seems so difficult really isn't as we surrender. Lord, you've shown us by example, not my will, but your will be done. Help us take steps to deal with the sand that's causing our lives to be shaky. Lord, I don't have this all worked out. All the sand's not gone. I stumble and fail. I thank you for being my Savior. Help me to set a more solid foundation to trust you, to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.